Hey everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Dave Hodges, host of the Common Sense Show. Really glad you could be with us. Now, if you're listening to us on Global Star Radio Network and our affiliates, you're hearing us in hour number two. If you're listening to us on our flagship station, KYAH, and all that it goes out to, you're listening to day two, part two, of an interview we started yesterday with Sam Arnold and He's in Mexico, and he has his hand, uh, or should I say his finger on the pulse of Central America and church affairs that bleed over heavily into political and military affairs. And we have talked about everything from Red Dawn to deception in the pulpit, um, bad uh, eggs in the Vatican, so to speak. Uh, and we've, we've hit it all. There'll be no shortage of people lining up with pitchforks but uh, with Sam, in this particular segment, we're going to be talking about El Salvador in particular. It's close to home, and it has direct relevance to our national security and other issues as well. Before we join Sam, need to let you know who keeps the lights on here. Uh, first is our storable food company, where they're still meeting demand. They did not sell out to the federal government, as so many people asked them to do. And they said, nope, we're for the customers, and they have kept... Their pre-sale, their sale prices from the pre-coronavirus days from nearly three months ago, they've kept them in place. And that's nearly 40% off the four and two week packages. And that's uh, the, uh, let's put it this way. You're going to get a discount. You're not going to get price gouging for 25 year shelf life and restaurant quality kind of food. So go to preparewithdave.com. That's preparewithdave.com. Also, ladies and gentlemen, we have our water filtration system, which is an absolute must because if people have to walk off the job in your treatment facilities, you may get tap water, you may not, but if you do, you can't be sure it's been treated. And you're going to have to treat everything that goes into your mouth. And this device does that, and it does it at 40% off the retail price right now. So go to waterwithdave.com, and you'll see the research there that validates it's number one in the industry. That's preparewithdave.com for the food. Water with Dave for the water filtration. Well, we're back with Sam Arnold, and and, uh, he's currently in Mexico, and we're going to be talking about more specifically about the events going on inside El Salvador. Because, Sam, I have to tell you, and I want to say welcome back, but I have to tell you, I'm a little confused. We're putting heavy military equipment on the borders, and we're fighting the coronavirus, but I don't think you need tanks and high-level weaponry to fight the virus. So help me clear up that confusion with this apparent indiscrepancy. I told President Trump two years ago that I wanted H&I fire on the border. And for those of you who are not in the military, that stands for harassment and interdiction, which is when you just let loose some cannon shells now and again in empty sectors of desert or jungle. And that's the real way to enforce a quarantine, because if anybody's out there walking around where they need to not be, they get hit by some some airburst artillery shells and blown to smithereens. And so uh, when we look at our border security threat, when we look at the African migrants that have been coming in from the most heavily uh, concentrated HIV and Ebola infected parts of Africa, especially French-speaking West Africa. And those people are coming through uh, Mexico and coming across the border and getting on buses to points unknown. Yes, it's a very, very serious danger. 
And now with the coronavirus, it's even worse. And there's Chinese being arrested at the border. And you've reported on that, Dave. It's a very, very serious threat. And there is a point where militaries set up fire bases and they just pop off cannon shells at night here and there. And an occasional cactus gets vaporized. And anybody that's out there carrying a backpack full of, uh, full of opium gum or, or fentanyl from China gets vaporized, too. And then you send out patrols to pick up the pieces the next day. And so this is the level of the border threat. When we see 155-millimeter self-propelled howitzers on trains going every which way, some of them, I think, and this is speculation now, are going to bolster these allied nations that stem land attacks such as in the north of Colombia and uh, in Central America, where we have this cluster of three nations with allied governments and allied presidencies. So I think we'll be sending some heavy equipment in there, and some of it will go out through San Diego and other sea lift ports to bolster those places. But a lot of it's going to the border, because the border threat is what you have long said it is, Dave. It is a Red Dawn invasion. There's people coming in. There's infiltrators coming in. There could be nukes or bioweapons coming in. Nobody knows. And there's definitely troublemakers coming in and a whole, whole lot of drugs and, and criminal gang members. And so we're getting ready to take this to a whole new level of shooting first and asking questions later. Does uh, the president of El Salvador fear for his safety and the uh, safety of his people from invasion because he's aligned with the United States and the Red Dawn forces may decide just to pick on him on the way to America? Yes, he is well aware of that. In fact, just last month, he asked his Congress to vote, and it was only $109 million that he wanted for security funds to bolster the military and so forth. And they just refused to vote because everybody wanted a bribe. And he made it clear he'll never give bribes. He'll never give. He said the the congressmen want this to be handled the way it has always been handled in the past with briefcases full of cash. And he said, I will never do that. I will never do it. And that he said, I will never make an accord with the criminal enterprises, you know, the MS-13 and the, the Sir Trece, the uh, Barrio 18, the gangs of El Salvador and the international criminal organizations. So he's very well aware. And when that critical vote came, a lot of people said, President Bukele, don't go in. Don't go into the Congress. His approval is still over 90 percent, by the way, 90 percent. It has hovered between 89 and 93 percent during his entire uh, year in office. So when he went in there, he, he marched into the uh, Congress building and the military marched right in in their tactical gear, rifles, armor, helmets everything. And they just stood there at attention. And so this is where you're getting fake news out of El Salvador, where they say, this guy's an authoritarian. He's an autocrat. He's a Nazi. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, uh, call him every name because he wants to lock up criminals. But he's having better success than we are in the United States with our Hillary Clinton types. He's having better success. Why do you think that is? Because there's a massive influx of, of, of U.S. support. He also was chosen. 
when he was elected, I was very concerned. And you've reported on El Salvador for years as this is a hot spot, this is a threat, because the communists had taken it over and had power for a long, long time. Even their president was a communist guerrilla fighter. This is basically Fidel Castro and Che Guevara, you know, yeah, exactly. same with Sanchez Seren. And, and so you were right to report that the way that you did. But here in this election, this guy comes out and the people choose him. And I was really concerned because he was communist trained, came up in the FMLN party, the Frente Marabundo. And finally, just before this election, they threw him out. And I thought, oh, my it's not because he's not communist, but the fact is some people that are inside of communist governments, they see that the ideals, the, the pure Marxism is not even there, that it's a kleptocracy, that it's all about raw power. And this is where we get the term Marxism-Leninism. Marxism never worked until there was a guy willing to murder a million people and not bat an eyelash, and that person was Vladimir Ilyich Lenin. And so that is how communism galvanized into being in control of real nations, is it took not only Marxism, but Marxism-Leninism. It took the iron fist. And once someone sees that from the inside, and we're seeing this a number of places, sometimes they say, I want nothing to do with this. President Lenin Moreno of Ecuador was died in the wool, trained to be a communist. His name is Lenin. His parents were communists. They named him Lenin. Voltaire Moreno. And when he took over the presidency, he just took hold of the tiller and turned the ship around. Let me digress just for a second, because I am in communication with a lot of expats that live in Chile and Ecuador. And what they tell me is uniformly the same. And what they say is colonies of Chinese immigrants are coming into the country forming their own villages and particularly in ecuador they have the chinese have absconded with ecuadorian uh, rights and access to um, certain rare earth minerals uh, and uh, these mines proliferate and uh, it to the much to the chagrin of the local people who are cut out because the chinese as we talked about in the previous segment are bringing in their own workers. Can, can you comment on that real quickly about Ecuador and what's going on there in that regard? I think you got the best information from people that are there on the ground as far as the numbers and one thing that they're after. I see that they want two other things that are just absolutely reprehensible. And this is where global war has been going on for some time. One, they want our women. There is a scarcity of women in China because of selective abortion and the one-child policy and the 4-2-1 problem where four grandparents have one child each, so that's two children that get married, a boy and a girl, and then those that matrimony only has one child. And if that child is a female, then she is cut off and becomes a, a joint to another family and really has no responsibility to support that inverted pyramid of ancestors on her side. And so uh, this, is, this is very alien from our Western biblical ideal. You know, Paul said in the Bible, 
children should not save up for their parents, but parents for their children. But of course, the carnal mind sees it the other way around. They see the child as a commodity that can be used to aggrandize themselves. This is also the Masonic way of thinking, and all of these that sacrifice children, of course, they see that very, the, the very same way. And so the Chinese have a, have a, uh, a deficit of at least 100 million women, maybe 300 or 400 million women. So they have many, many soldiers, but a young guy can't get a date in China unless he's a millionaire because it's the market favors the, the, the ladies and they can pick amongst their suitors. But an average guy cannot get a date. Their, their hopes of finding a, women, a, a woman are um, very distant. So they're taught, your women, your wives are in America. And they intend to come to the United States, but especially to Latin America. And to there find their women. And it's a problem that they created with their godlessness. And uh, it's, not, it's not our problem to solve. And it's a real, it's a, it's a real hackle razor, Dave, when a Latin American, someone from Chile or Argentina, realizes that the Chinese are coming to America for their women, for the women of Argentina or of Peru or wherever. They want those women. So that's one thing. And they Is that are also happening that. in South Africa, too, where the Chinese are working with the ANC? Uh, that's a little bit out of my area okay. of study. But the, the Chinese, they have their plans for domination, and they're definitely looking for food there in South Africa. And they, it's definitely bris, bristling with missiles. They really don't want the U.S. to get in and to uh, save the white farmers of South Africa. You know, there's Dutch, uh, there are Dutch descendants in South Africa that call themselves Afrikaners that have been there for 400 years that are historically a Christian people, and they have their own language. They don't speak English, you know, they speak Afrikaans. Uh, they maybe learned English in school, but uh, they're being, they're subject to a genocide and one of them is in the United States, and he's walking from Texas to Washington, D.C., just to bring attention to that. His name is Jason Buffalo uh, Boer, B-O-E-R, and then Bartlett. So you can look him up on Twitter and support him as he's trying to gain some attention and some international focus on the fact that his people are being annihilated, that there's a genocide, it's of white people, and it's coming to America and they they continue to call him a racist because he's white and he wants to live. So that's all I really know about well, South no, yeah, Africa. I'm getting the same thing. I, I'm in communication with a pastor named Aubrey Brocken who had to flee South Africa, who's now in New Zealand. And he sends me uh, links to local African newspapers throughout the southern half of the continent, which validate many of the things that you just said. The Chinese come in and they're doing infrastructure projects, and in combination, they're also putting in things like surface-to-air missiles, and uh, they're even uh, mining some of the trading ports to discourage competition. And they are in South Africa partnering with the governing body to take white farmers' land, and they're sharing in mineral resources as well as food that they export to China. So you're right on the money, and the average person doesn't get to see what I get to see, 
because I know where to look in these African newspapers now, and we don't cover an inch of this here in America. I actually went and walked a mile across Texas with Jason Buffalo Boar Bartlett, and um, he's a really nice guy. He, he, his dad was a pastor, so he grew up in a little church in South Africa, and he's just as authentic as can be. Personal friends of his have been murdered, raped, shot in the head, et cetera, et cetera. Yet he keeps getting banned off of Facebook, and they say that he's the racist because he's white and he wants to live, and he opposes this invasion. And he can break down for you in great detail. I'll make sure and send you his information. Okay. He's easy to find if you just search for Jason Buffalo Bore Bartlett. But he'll tell you all about how the Chinese are coming in and how they're getting food and how they man U.N. outposts all through Africa and, of course, neighboring Zambia to the north. That is bristling with missiles yeah, to okay. discourage any U.S. Uh, attempt to save these poor people. Yeah, let me digress one, one degree further. In the stimulus bill for the coronavirus, the Nancy Pelosi introduced billions to go to Africa. I don't remember the exact figure now, but it was billions in the plural. And uh, you know the connections between the congressional delegation, democratically speaking, to communist China is well established. So the presumption is that money is going to the Chicoms in the southern half of the African continent. I mean, that's pure treason, but yet it just happened. Okay. Um would you like to talk a little bit about the stimulus bill and its context as a part of our preparations for global war, both yes. military and financial? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Uh, there are a lot of commentators out there, and, you, you know, I appreciate everybody that's part of the conservative media, and, and I, uh, I also uh, I honor their research that they've put in and, and dug around and found some things. But I'd like to just put a few things into perspective. You know, I've heard the pork tales of there was $350 million for this and $100 million for that. And I heard probably three different accounts that talked about this. And my thought was this, okay, for me, that's a lot of money. Heck, the $15 million that's on Maduro's head is a lot of money. <laughs> really, $100 American dollars changes into a lot of pesos where I'm at. So... uh yeah, $350 million is a lot of money. But you add up all of that pork, it's not even a billion. And a billion is there's a thousand of those in a trillion, and we're in the trillions. So we're talking about less than one-tenth of one percent of the bill, and that's the pork. Okay, so it, there is pork. It's going to different government agencies. But two things. One, General Terrence O'Shaughnessy, the head of NORAD, and Admiral Craig Baller, the head of Southcom, Northcom and NORAD and Southcom. Those two are cousins. And we just led up to the edge of this, but I believe that these men are part of the military patriot complex that approached Donald Trump and said, listen, we can take America back. And everybody who's a Christian and an American needs to just have uh, maybe a mustard seed grain of faith that we can do that that we at least have a fighting chance to drain the swamp, get rid of enemies born and domestic, and maybe, maybe have a golden age. But at the very least, see some of these traitors to pay the legal and lawful penalty for their crimes, at least. 
if that happens and we go down fighting, that's a lot better of an outcome than a lot of people have faith for. So I see the president and the stimulus bill taking over the Fed, taking over the uh, financial markets of the world and preparing for global war. And even though uh, millions are going to this or that government department, I believe very quickly the military will be in charge of those departments. And once the military is in charge of a pork-filled department, guess what? They're going to be making something humanitarian or military-related to sustain a global war effort against enemies foreign and domestic. And for everyone who's stir-crazy in their house right now, I'd just like to say global war is coming. It's that the military, along with defense production authorizations that Trump has already signed, is the military's approaching the largest enterprises first. So first they go over to Boeing, and this has been in the news. Military may take over Boeing. Boeing may be nationalized. Now, today it came out that the entire stock market may be nationalized, that the Fed may be nationalized, that in the stimulus package that Trump signed, he may have nationalized the Fed. Okay. The military will begin to go to smaller and smaller and smaller enterprises. So once they're done with FedEx, UPS, General Motors, you know, the big companies, which may also include Silicon Valley, they will eventually get to John Q. Public and his company. And where I see so many patriots saying, this is, this is the noose getting tightened around us. The noose has been there for 20 years. And people have called you crazy, Dave, because you've been out saying this. Look, the, 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 the prison planet is here. The police state is here. Uh, socialism is here. A top-heavy, uh, unsustainable massive, expensive government is here, and it's been here for at least 20 years. And it's only the head in the sand thing that has caused people to not realize it. Everybody wears the dog leash. It's just a matter of whether the other end of it gets yanked or not. But just because the other end of the leash is not getting yanked does not mean that John Q. Public is not collared because John Q. Public has been collared for a long, long time. So I really see a bright side in the stimulus package, the Defense Production Acts, the military is taking over, and not for evil, for good. America is preparing herself to make a last stand for a free hemisphere. And I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, except there's a danger. Because more women are killed in their own homes when they're using a handgun because the assailant takes the handgun away from them. If President Trump is deposed or defeated in an election, if there's a regime change that goes left and the Pelosi party takes over, this lockdown mechanism that we're under with this increased militarism on domestic soil could be turned violently against the American public. Yes, it could. And we need to be aware of that uh i I'll, we're on the razor's edge we're on the razor's edge and we're on the cutting edge and we're playing for keeps and it's it's a beautiful time to be in i see that on november 
7th of 2016 that that almost happened. And then the pendulum came a little bit the other way. You're right, Dave. We are on the razor's edge. And it could go the other way, but it could also go our way. And I just want to build a little bit of hope in people that we can we can I, I, win. I hear you. I've been saying this too, but I will tell you this. If it doesn't go our way at the presidential level, then unfortunately what's going to have to happen is America will be forced into civilian defense. And that's when things are going to really get ugly. Yes, and even Pence's for red flag laws, someone that I greatly respect recently said. And so we, we need to pray for President Trump every day. We need to lift him up in prayer and ask God to pour out his wisdom on him and for, for all traitors to be unmasked and identified. We need to get back to being the greatest generation. We need to be people of prayer. I agree. I totally, I call for this all the time on my um, YouTube channel. Let, let me... Uh, I, I didn't know I was going to talk about this or I would have the man's name and position exactly. But there was a high, and I'm going to link this into NORAD. There was a high-level German economic official, finance official, who was mysteriously found dead recently on railroad tracks. And it was quickly labeled, before there could even have been a decent investigation, a suicide. And Angela Merkel, along these lines, were saying the same thing as his finance minister about not giving in to the whims of the European Union. And you could have knocked me over the feather when Merkel said that. Now she has uh, coronavirus. She's in quarantine. This high-level ranking finance minister is dead. And uh, so let me link this over to what you just talked about with these two leaders, O'Shaughnessy and what was the other guy's name? Craig Fowler, Admiral Craig Fowler. Fowler. And it was Shaughnessy who's now in Cheyenne Mountain. There's probably not a safer place on the face of the earth right now. And I have been told privately that some of our top-level military commanders, and by the way, this comes from a former RSOF general who told me this, that they are beefing up their security tremendously because they fear assassination from the left when the coup comes in for real. Do you know anything about this? It already happened in Taiwan. Yes, in that's right. You're right about that. a suspicious plane crash, and it's mm -hmm. happening all over the world. There are so many uh, splinter cells. And uh, to tell you the truth, you know, as a journalist, I go and, and uh, look for our elected representatives, both uh, good and bad, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and either interview them or film them or whatever. And it is really disturbing it is really disturbing to me how vulnerable they are. And I would just like to say to America, it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. It's time to, to, to strap on your combat boots. No more walking around in flip-flops and umbro shorts and, and going about your day with nothing in your pocket but a phone. It is time to move into a war footing. And it's very, very important that we do that. You know, you're talking about the Germans, Dave. Just four years ago, when Trump took over, not only were all of our aircraft carriers parked on Inauguration Day, something that's never happened since the dawn of the nuclear age, they were all in port, same time, talk about a vulnerability to our enemies, but they, uh, okay, I'm in Chihuahua State, and at the north of Chihuahua State is Juarez in the El Paso, Texas border crossing, and right there in El Paso is Fort Bliss, the home of the famed 1st Armored division. 
So this is one of the biggest tank bases and armor gunnery ranges that we have. And there's also an airfield right there. And right there was the headquarters for the European community. There was an actual German Luftwaffe command on Fort Bliss. And I found out about it, and I was livid. And you know what? Before long, it just wasn't there anymore. So this is the battle that's been raging, raging within the deep state, within our nation, and in all of the Americas and all around the world. And now the coronavirus is our chance to wake up. You know, if we were in a war, say, in 1776, you know, you hear news from this place for that place, but there's a point where... You hear a cannon shell yourself for the first time. You hear a cannon go boom. And then that is, that is the signal for a mountain man and a minute man, for a patriot and an American to boot up and to grab his musket from behind the door and to just not, just not go out unprepared anymore. And that's what the coronavirus is. And everybody's missing it, Dave. Everybody's looking at the coronavirus for, for what it is. They hear the rolling thunder, and they're like, what was that? How far was it? What could it be? Could have been a thunder. It was a bird. It was a plane. No, it's global war that has now come to you. That's So true. what are you going to do? That's true, and I'm going to give you a piece of information that you may or may not have. And I, I, think I you're can't gonna, wait. I think you're going to see this. I'm in communication with some different people from different federal agencies that should have a part in the quarantine zones that were coming to the Southwest in places like Texas. And uh, as of a few weeks ago, some of these people were going to go ahead and administer these quarantine zones. And they were located in box stores that had been closed like HEB, Target, Walmart. And listen, I, I have seen the proof for this. I am not reporting something out of hand. I'm reporting something that I know to be true. And in addition, uh, the, what's happened now is there's been a sea change in leadership. The federal agencies that were designed to go in and manage these facilities in, in by April 15th have now been removed from the picture. And I'm talking FBI, ATF, Homeland Security. They've been wiped off the slate, not involved anymore. And the Marshal Service is totally in charge. And in addition, and this has been going on for a month, They've been running ads in police departments, local police departments, to hire police for $50 an hour to stand guard on these particular stores. Now, here's the debate, and I'll tell you what the feds tell me, the feds that are good guys and are patriots. The debate is this. Who's going into these quarantine camps, which could be political prisons? Is it going to be me and people like me? Or is it going to be the deep state? I'll tell you who's not going in there. No one that has the coronavirus. These are political prisoner camps. Uh, what do you know about this? This is one of the reasons that I follow your broadcasts on a daily basis. And I'd just like to give a shout out to KYAH, too. I have a lot of fun on KYAH. And it almost makes me wish that I was in Utah more often. Yeah. Hal Turner's on KYAH. I by the way, I get on his show almost every night and give a very short Latin America war report and migrant invasion news that is almost nowhere else because I just can't type it up every day being a one-man operation. So Understood. you either catch it sure. or you don't. And That's a great station, and, and your broadcast, 
I follow for exactly that reason, because your sources bring you this kind of information. Uh, all I can say is that the military, the military, the military is weeding out itself. What you hear about our supercarriers being quarantined in the Pacific, I'm going to tell you what's happening. There is an entirely new way of vetting soldiers and sailors, whether they be Americans or whether they be traitors. There's an entirely new way, and that is being – those crews are being weeded through and the tears pulled out so that our battle groups can actually do battle against our enemies without domestic enemies being on board, being on the bridge with the captain or with Admiral Fowler or whoever. And so, yes, there is a huge turnover going on in our agencies. There are agencies being dismantled, and that is why the Defense Production Act that the president signed is so so, so important because it allows that weeding out process and for entire agencies to just be taken over if they are suspect or they've been corrupted. You know, I have right here uh, J. Edgar Hoover's book, Masters of Deceit, which tells of the communist plan to take over organizations great and small. This is why all the Rotary Clubs don't do any good for a businessman because they're all communist controlled and have been since the 60s and 70s, and America didn't hear that call. So now we have these massive bureaus that are communist-controlled, antichrist-controlled. We've got people at the top that are no good. You know, I think you and I have talked that Melissa Hodgman is Peter Strzok's wife, and that she's the director of enforcement for the Securities Exchange Commission. Well, how are we supposed to slay the dragons of Silicon Valley when the head of enforcement or the SEC is a deep stater. How are we supposed to do it? Well, that's an, that's an organization that needs a house cleaning, and people like that, their credentials need to be re-reviewed in another light. And, of course, looking at her credentials, she looks like a charmed person who has been uh, gone through a, a greased shoot to get to the very top of that agency. And so we need real Americans. We need people like the Iowan Matthew Whitaker, who worked for a living, played football through college at the University of Iowa, went home and married his high school sweetheart, is still married to her today, and has taken the federal bench and other judgeships, but he's also worked in his own law practice. So we need to get those kind of great Americans in, and we need to get the swamp out, and it is happening. It is happening in preparation for a great day. You know, the lights may go out someday, very soon. And at that point, the battle's going to be on, and everybody needs to be watching their sector. But hopefully at that point, uh, Craig Fowler and Terrence O'Shaughnessy, and listeners, please, just write those names down and put them on your prayer list. If you don't have a prayer list, start with that. Trump, Terrence O'Shaughnessy, and Craig Fowler the heads of the defense for north and south parts of our western hemisphere. And while you're at it, throw Pastor Sam and Dave Hodgson on it too, because we, we <laughs> can sure use it. Yeah, veil of protection uh, in these really nebulous days. Um, let me ask you another interpretive question here. What do you make 
back up and I'm going to give a, a, a discredit statement. Um, it's a fool's errand to send the National Guard to people's homes to inquire about coronavirus when they, in fact, could either catch it or spread it because of close personal contact. When they could very easily call people on the phone and ascertain the same information they purport to extract on these home visits. Uh, this puts me in the mind of uh, swastika wearing Gestapo. Um, what do you know or what do you think about the uh, National Guard in Rhode Island, the National Guard in Texas going door to door? Okay, well, you bring up Rhode Island and Delaware uh, and Maryland. I would just like to point out that those are the areas that Harriet Tubman, an original gospel gunslinger from way back in the day, with her six-gun, escaped from and let other slaves out of. These are the original Marionite colonies. And before I recently went to Washington, D.C., I did several videos on the banks of the Mississippi River before I moved over into the occupied territory of Illinois, which is now on lockdown, and the other uh, states to the east. Not that there aren't some good patriots there. There are, but, you know, where I'm at in Iowa, Illinois is right across the river, and that's one of the most communist states governmentally in the, in the whole union. As many friends as I have there and as much fun as I have going back and forth across the river, uh, it's, a, it's a very oppressive government there. So we need to look at these things, what they were before the crisis, that these states that are having the heaviest lockdowns now are the bankrupt states for starters. You know, before the whole stimulus and the petrol war and all that, Illinois, Michigan, New York, and California were already bankrupt. But aside from that, out of our nation, there's two states that still bear the name of the Queen of Heaven, that abominable heathen goddess that the uh, conquistadors carried into Latin America, and that 14 years after the pilgrims landed in 1620, who were clear clearly Protestant, those idols were set up at Marytown, which became Maryland, and then Virginia. And out of those two states, the land was donated to build Washington, D.C. So I love the birth of our nation and the ideals we represent. But uh, there's, always been, there's always been a root of troublemakers, and those troublemakers are mostly in those areas. Now, that being said, the National Guard and going door-to-door is doing what our police forces have ceased to do for decades, which is building relationships with the community, walking the beat, walking in the donut shop, yes, but every little store, walking in there, knowing the people by name, them knowing him by name. You know, there's one police officer for about every 200 people in our nation. And if you look at that number, that's where it's very important to see that they derive their just powers from the consent of the governed. And they ought to make friends with some of those people. An Iowa Highway Patrolman not long ago took my gun from me after I informed him that I was legally armed so we could have our conversation. And uh, he didn't ask or anything, just took my gun and uh, stuck it in my car and said, go sit in the cruiser with me. So I was civil about all that. But as we sat in the cruiser, he apologized. He said, he said I, hope, I hope that you're not bothered by the fact that I disarmed you. And I said, well, what you did is illegal. 
and it's wrong, and it's unconstitutional, and it's beyond your authority. And then what I did not, uh, I, I said one more thing. I said, you know, a lot of police officers are having their lives saved by armed citizens today. And then the conversation went on from there. What I did not say is, look, you and all your buddies derive your just powers from the consent of the governed. And you might want to make some friends amongst the governed instead of enemies. And so the, the National Guard going door to door is a great opportunity for someone who works for the government. Now, the National Guard's already pretty much local. They speak English. They're from a town, your town, or a town not very far from where they're working. By law, at least the same state. It's a great opportunity to form a bond between the government and the governed. And then they can derive their just powers from the consent of the governed. So it's a real opportunity for America to rally. And maybe I'm an optimist, Dave, but I'm, I'm, if we keep looking back at our founding values and try to implement them, we might just have America again. Yeah, a lot of people aren't seeing the National Guard that way, though. I'm afraid they're looking at it as a violation of the Fourth and potentially the Fifth Amendment. And, and you know, there's another factor, though, that clouds this event, and that's when people like in Tarrant County, like Judge Whitley, says, we can take your house. We can take any of your property we want. And Mayor Finan of Champaign, Illinois, said exactly the same thing. And so then when the men in uniform show up, I mean, people are going to think, are they here to take from me or are they here to help me? Trump may just, he may just be giving those mayors and governors enough rope to hang themselves. That's what he I've been told. May, he may come in 30 days later and just impeach them all for un-American activities. Say, oh, this was a great violation of the Constitution. You gave an unlawful order. All right, so uh, we're going to impeach you. You know, we could have widespread impeachment tribunals. And while you bring up the subject of judges, I, I wanted to tell a little bit about how the judges are affecting these situations politically in Central and Latin America and how there again, we're absolutely on the razor's edge. Can we take a minute and go there? Absolutely. Okay. So everybody knows that the indictment was unsealed against Nicolas Maduro and a $15 million reward and $10 million ahead for four different lieutenants of his, including Diosdado Cabello and Tarek El Aysami. So these people had been investigated way back in uh, 2017 of heading perhaps the largest drug trafficking operation in the world. They call it the Cartel del Sol the Sun cartel. So we know that that indictment was unsealed. And by the way, just the news came out today about such a thing as Convención de Palermo. The Palermo Protocols or the Palermo Convention. That's something that was signed in December of 2000 in the town of Palermo, Italy. And what it discusses is international cooperation and the issuing of warrants for known drug traffickers and transnational criminal organizations. So while we look at Trump, 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 we need to see that there's things out there like the Inter-American Letter of 2001. Hey, Dave. 
Hey, well, we're back uh, with Sam, and uh, we, uh, interesting, at a key point here, we got cut off, and I uh, had a heck of a time, Sam, reestablishing connection with you. Uh, I kept getting, this number doesn't exist, and uh, the same exact thing happened to me earlier today when I was interviewing Paul Martin. Um, this number does not exist, and yet it's a number I've been calling for about seven years. Uh, so uh, we're back, and we got about six minutes left in this segment. So let me throw it back to you, and I have to be honest with you, I blanked out on where we were at. I was just getting ready to drop a name, and I really like to drop names on your show, Dave, because you're such an excellent researcher that you get to dig in, and then when your sources call in and you say, hey, what about this guy? And so much more information comes out. A lot of times we break the dam exactly that way. Right. So I can just poke a tiny hole in it, and then uh, other researchers get in and really get down to the nitty-gritty and prove it all, and pretty soon we get rid of troublemakers. Okay. So here's the deal. In the Southern District of New York, there is a U.S. attorney. And his name is Jeffrey S. Berman. Jeffrey S. Berman. Now, Berman is the one who was standing right beside Bill Barr when Bill Barr unsealed the indictments in the press conference against Nicholas Maduro and his criminal cabal. <clears throat> Here's the troublesome thing. Jeffrey S. Berman has been in the middle of so many scandals. Jeffrey S. Berman... U.S. attorney may be the reason that President Trump changed his residency from New York, where he lived in the Southern District in Manhattan, to Florida. His address of record is there. Jeffrey S. Berman was in charge of the Epstein trial. And just one red flag is the judge was Judge Berman. So what's the relationship between U.S. attorney Jeffrey S. Berman and Judge Berman, who sat on the bench as Epstein was brought in in his shackles while he was yet alive. So just the fact of Epstein being under this man's watchful eye should be a massive red flag. Guardian, guardian of the gate. Yep. Total guardian yep. of the gate. So Jeffrey S. Berman, on March the 9th, there was a story that came out on New York's Channel 21, Jeffrey S. Berman says that he is not subject to the Department of Justice. Now, you know, if this was a patriot who was refusing an unlawful order to, say, rump up some juice, then that would be one thing. But if it's a swamp creature who is refusing to follow his commander-in-chief and to do his law enforcement duty of locking up lawbreakers and convicting them, all of a sudden this is a huge problem. So you can find the link to that if you just search New York Channel 21, Jeffrey S. Berman, Department of Justice. It'll pop right up. But the link is dead. The story has been scuttled. It's gone. And this was on March the 9th. So here we are. We're still in the month of March. And Jeffrey S. Berman's the one that's right there unsealing the indictment against Nicholas, S., Nicholas Maduro and his cronies. Now, there's a whole other U.S. attorney's office out of Miami, and Miami is where a lot of Venezuelans live. The Venezuelan expat community has a lot of pull there as they push for law and order and justice and for criminals to be arrested. And so 
possibly will get a lot better action out of the Miami U.S. Attorney's Office. That's a Hispanic lady attorney that's working on that department. But this guy has been involved in all kinds of stuff, including Honduras. So, okay, we got El Salvador, we got Guatemala, and we got Honduras, and they're they're all there in a touching one another, you know, uh, and in Central America. And between the three of them, we have a very, very strong nexus. And we're putting a lot of money in there to help them build asylum capability, to build their militaries. Uh, Craig Fowler's good friend is Admiral Rene Marino. And one of the first things that President Bukele did when he took over as president of El Salvador is he bypassed all of the Banana Republic generalissimos. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that there's is a, good. Yeah, I, I did read that as well, too. Um, let me just throw this in as a tidbit, and then we need to wrap up. The, um, <laughs> the I believe the Southern District is where Loretta Lynch was spawned from. And uh, John Cruz, who was a senior VP, turned vigilante against HSBC corruption with Hillary Clinton and uh, Comey, uh, tried to expose all these things. Loretta, Loretta Lynch took over and basically slapped HSBC on the wrist. Everyone should have gone to jail there, but no one did. They just got a $5 million fine. And I've interviewed John about five times on that issue and other related issues. And so the Southern District is about as crooked as it comes, and what you're saying doesn't come with any surprise to me. We got about uh, 30 seconds. Tell people how they can follow your good work. Search Gospel Gunslingers on any engine. On Subscribestar, most of my material is free, but I really need subscribers on there. Sure. You can pay $5 a month, the subscriptions begin, and then you'll get an email whenever I drop an article on Subscribestar. I'm also on Twitter. I'm also on YouTube, and I would really encourage the listeners to get in and to look at some background for global war so that when you talk about this with your friends and your neighbors, you have a place to stand on where you can see my tweets about uh, Admiral Rene Marino in El Salvador and how he's night and day different from the government that was before Correct. him about the different presidents and the turnovers. I also have a YouTube. My YouTube has right there on the about page how to donate, how to help, and please subscribe. Absolutely. My name is Samuel Honnold, H-O-N-N-O-L-D, but just search Gospel Gunslingers and okay. they'll come right to and me. And Sam, we're right up against the end. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been extremely informative. You've been generous with your time. To everybody else, we'll see you back here next time. Thanks, Sam. Thank you, Dave.